Hi guys, Biggie Hazard here with the Tottenham Depot from Philip Lane. Listen here. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. The reason that I'm here is because you know, the club is seeking change. Well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know, my hope and my desire, and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aestetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. It is episode 141, and it is going to be a busy one because it was a big, busy, busy week in the world of Tottenham Hotspur. We've got two games to discuss, uh, a cup defeat. We've got a, the close of a transfer window. It is uh, just, just much to discuss. We'll start by throwing it out to the Todd father himself. He is at TC underscore Cachot. TC, what's going on, man? Hey, any day, brother, any day that you get to have a conversation about scoring five goals in the Premier League and winning a match is a good fucking day. Can't yeah, I tend to I tend to agree with you, my friend. We're, we are recording this a little bit later than we usually do. Most folks, I'm sure, listen to the pod uh, on Sunday evening, but we are not even getting around to recording until Sunday evening. But uh, that's because my, my next two folks on here were, were, were traveling and I've been busy and uh, we'll start by by introducing Scott, he is back on on X, I believe, or Twitter, or whatever the hell we're calling it. Uh, back, what's, baby. What, what's your handle now, Scott? I know you were trying to change it and couldn't, and Elon decided, you know, to tell you to go fuck yourself for a while there. But uh, I, I know you're back on social media. Where, where are you? Where can people find you? I am back. I am back. Elon allowed me back. I, as I said on the last show, I made the massive fucking mistake of trying to change my handle to my birth name. And that was a violation of Twitter's rules. <laughs> and so, but I'm back and you can find me at Scott G like golf bird, B Y R D. Um, as I said, my birth name. So back representing myself fully uh, and excited to be here after a, a nice long weekend in Vegas to talk about three fucking amazing points. Love that for you. Love that for you. Uh, and, and it's Elon approved. So we can, we can all get on with the world. <laughs> Uh, also joining us on the pod this evening is Scott's wonderful wife, Kat. She is Afri at Africa Spurs on yeah! the socials. Kat, Kat so longtime listeners of the pod will, will remember Kat. Kat's been on the pod before, but we, we are, are it's rare that we get grace with her presence. So, Kat, how are you this evening? I'm doing good, man. Just happy to be back, you know, to grace you guys with my presence and, uh, I'm super excited to talk about, you know, all the all the goals that our, our captains scored over the weekend. You know, that was really, really cool to see you know, all our leadership people. So taking charge of the team and all of that. So that was really fun. No question about it. I did love that. Uh, we, will, we will certainly come on to talking about the Burnley victory. But before we get into that, before we talk about the good, uh, let's get the bad out of the way. Spurs uh, went on the road earlier in the week on Tuesday to Craven Cottage and uh, play and changed changed nine players and kind of had a lackluster effort, a lackluster performance. Um, it was I don't think it was all bad. It, we can get into that a little bit, but Spurs do go out of the League Cup on penalties to Fulham after the miss from Davis Sanchez in the penalty shootout. Um, this was a match that you know 
with nine changes, I think it's one of those things that you almost just would have expected. But at the same time, it was no less disappointing uh, to, to, to see it. So I, I it, it was it was super just kind of deflating. We, we all were, were really hopeful. I know that, that this team could go on a cup run. But Todd, where are you at when it comes to just the, the overall picture of, of what happened on Tuesday with the nine changes and, and that quite obviously being the a detriment to to what Spurs were able to do against Fulham? I see. I wish you would have gone to somebody else first because I'm going to take a completely different angle on this. I love the fact that we went out of this cup at this stage of this season. I absolutely fucking love it. I couldn't be more excited. We saw all of the dead weight on display. We saw Frazier Forrester try to play a fucking high line. We saw all the things, brother, and they didn't work. And it just put a giant spotlight on the glaring holes that exist in this team still. And I think, yet again, this was a masterclass by Ange, letting people know exactly what was and what wasn't. And, to be fair, the League Cup doesn't do anything for us. This fan base needs an FA Cup or a league or something in Europe. The League Cup isn't going to get the job done. So, now, all that shit's out of the way. All we have to focus on is the league until January. I think we could do worse here. All right. It's an interesting take. And I don't uh, see. I'm, of course, going to be the whatever the the more neutral party here because only because i know where scott stands um i i do want to know where cat stands on this in a minute but scott i know you're you're very you were you were pretty disappointed in i think specifically in Ange post kagu earlier in the week for, for 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 all of these changes right i was and i think it's always nice to to record five days later and have five days of hindsight right um because i i do find myself more more uh more so aligned with todd than than five days ago right i'm not all the way there but i i think you can look at the positives i think there's a lot to be said for the idea that the next match we play or sorry the next match we would have played in the carabao cup and will no longer play because we're out could net us a couple points in 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 a premier league game the following weekend that we that we might have dropped right because we had a midweek game so there's every reason to think that that mathematically this could benefit us in the league. Um, I do agree that it's the least prestigious of all the trophies. I might disagree with Todd a little bit in saying that winning a Carabao Cup would do a ton for our confidence and would just get the snowball rolling, right? And I think to, to bring it all back to why I'm still a little bit disappointed um, with with the decision to make so many changes, is I, I just wanted to see this team compete um in everything and i think the more the more we compete the more we continue to build our character and our confidence but then i turn around and i tell myself look at what we just did uh, uh um at the weekend against burnley and um certainly didn't hurt our confidence right going out in the care about cup so you know i the cliff notes version is sure i'd like to see us keep competing but i'm not heartbroken uh or upset in the manner that i was five days ago I, dude, I value that so much, Scotty. Be, before I hand it back over to Andrew, I, I, I value that so much. The, the only other point that I want to make on top of that is that I, I really think it was extremely important for us to see what we had in that cup match, especially because, you know, we had the the, the Sailor City Surfers or whatever as one of our, our preseason matches. Like, we didn't really get a proper preseason. And so that cup game gave us the opportunity to show some uh, of, you know, the Los Celsos uh, uh, and the, you know, the Hoybiers and, and the Skips of the world 
like we got them out there. We we showed what we had, and it clearly wasn't enough. And I think that's going to go a long way ultimately. I think this was a uh, a, a one step forward backwards to take two steps forward, Andrew. Yeah, I, I agree I, with both of you guys. Sorry. Oh, cat, cat, no, please jump in because I want to hear your <laughs> I, opinion on this. Seriously, guys, I am 32 years old. Do you know the last time Tottenham won a major trophy was a couple of days before I was born? 32 years ago. And and the fact that we are, you know, throwing away a cup game or a, a, an opportunity to win a trophy over the fact that we want to see how the rest of the players are playing, like how Pastor Cogley wants to see the rest of the play. Schedule, why didn't he just schedule a new, uh, a, a closed game with another team? There's lots of teams that did that. Liverpool did that in, in, over, over the preseason. There, that's the time where you can actually scout and see what your 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 B team is going is all about. Why do we have to sacrifice a, a trophy for him to see that? Yes, the whole world we all knew, you know, the, like everybody knew, every Tottenham player knew, every Tottenham fan knew that all our, our B team sucks. Our French players kind of suck. Um, it felt like it was just you know Mourinho, Conte, or whoever was still kind of managing that team like that's what i was watching in that game and i was really really disappointed that pastor Kogli used sacrificed the cup game to to essentially assess his his beat the rest of the, the squad i so certainly I, value that andrew I, I i do but i mean 32 years ago was the fa cup cat and so that's kind of very much my point is the FA Cup is that trophy that we're actually trying to win this League Cup? Yeah. As you know, we won it in 08 or whatever, made the final in 09. But I mean, we've seen us lose League Cups before too in the last 10 years, uh, and so that's 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 all well and good. But that's not the one that's going to get us over the line. That's not the one that's going to make the, the 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 posters in the hallways at at, at, at you know at White Hart Lane. Like, it's then that why FA don't Cup. you have a double in this season? It's, I like it. I like where your head's at. So now getting getting the League Cup out of the way, Andrew, we can focus on that double of the league and the FA Cup. I'm a fan. So that is that is the kind of the, the bit, the ongoing bit after, you know, in the context of the entire week. And Scott, to your point, we're recording this many days after this defeat. We've, ha- we've all had a little bit of, and I call it a defeat. Really, it was a draw. Let's remember, like, it's not like Spurs got absolute, their asses absolutely kicked in this game. I mean, they played Fulham at Craven Cottage to a draw over 90 minutes. I do want to just put that in the context of things. They lost in a penalty penalty shootout, which is kind of like they flipped the coin at the end of the game. Like, let's be honest. Um, okay, but let's talk about that penalty shootout. Can we? Well, <laughs> yeah, we, we, I mean, yeah, we can. I mean, look, I, I don't want to focus too much on Davis and Sanchez. Well, dude, I would, it's not, I'm not talking about Davis and Sanchez. Absolutely not. I 100% agree. You're going to miss penalties. Our keeper did not give us a chance. Yes. In that shootout yes. to yeah. win that game, Scott. It, no, you're you're right. He didn't. No, no and... question. Well, and sorry to cut you off, Andrew, but that's exactly you know where I can still pull a little bit of my fresh frustration from 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 what I mentioned earlier is is there was just a couple of changes that that I think could have could have been made or decisions that could have been made differently. We should say right that probably lead us to get to getting through that round which I, again i'm still in favor of right of getting getting through that first round of the league cup which we haven't played in in over 10 years right but we were here and we lost um but uh um the, yeah todd's right the goal the goalkeeper let us down and look i will say this fraser forster made some big fucking saves late in that game he did so like 
I'm not going to put it on him. We shouldn't have gotten to penalties against Fulham, in my opinion, right? But we did, and he did lay a big old a big old egg in that penalty shootout. Dude, but the last time that Fraser Forrester saved a penalty, he was playing for Celtic. Like, what the fuck are we talking yeah. about? Yeah, and and why that, and is he our second goalkeeper? Is still beyond me. I'd much rather have the well, respect, no, no. honestly. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, listen, you can't take the the former captain and stick him behind a 22 year old Italian. And be like, hey, this is your life now. Yeah, like, there's politics in play there. Right, honestly. there's 100% politics in play. And, like, realistically, I my to my to to that very point, though, Kat, I would have much rather had, like, Alfie Whiteman or somebody like that in goal for that match than Fraser Forrester simply because I have more faith in what they can do with the ball at their feet than I do with Fraser. That's all. Well, and that's it's, all. it's very easy to say this, right? It's very easy to say this, but – I feel like Vicario would have came up big in that penalty shootout. He's a shot stopper, and and I I would have liked to have seen him given the chance to get his new team through the first round. Um, again, it is it's done and dusted, right? Decisions were made. Yeah. But I, I think I think I think we have a little shot stopper on our hands, boys and girls. I think we we got a keeper in in Guglielmo Vicario, and I would have liked to have seen him get this shootout. So his well, it, it is are- interesting. You. You're talking about a second round, you know, cup tie as well with uh, against a fellow Premier League team away. Like it, it is an instance where I get that it's early, early rounds, but y- you're you're facing a Premier League side away. Why wouldn't you put your your first keeper out there in a match like that? You well, would you would in any other. Time. I mean, question. if they were playing City, if they were playing City in the League Cup in in this round or even in the next round, they'd probably put Vicario out there instead of Forster. Like let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, so that's I. I'm gonna push back there. Well, the I'm not. I'm, I'm not trying to compare the why, the city. Don't get me wrong. No, no, no. For the no, certainly not. The only reason why I'm gonna push back is because he made nine changes. It wasn't just a keeper, right? Right. So no, this was no. this was clearly Ange coming out and saying we have X amount of the window left. I need to show you and show and, me what I have. And to your point, Todd, th- yeah. that is where the 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 kind of when you zoom out and you don't look at the micro of this game, but you look at the macro, I think this game was proof positive of honestly, it's it's of what Mauricio Pochettino said many years ago, and is that this team needs a long, painful rebuild, and they have to continue to put. The, and let's be honest with ourselves when we talk about that, that rebuild that 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 Pochettino spoke about four and a half years ago, that just started three months ago like that just started when we hired post because the previous few managers were not a part of that they were not doing that they were there was no disagree ongoing i disagree <laughs> fabio paracci she started that rebuild about a year and a half ago and we're reaping the benefits as we speak right now i i agree i think i think i think you're right about that I think you're right about that. But my point is when it comes to the managers, this is the era where the rebuild has started. And if we're talking about an early round cup exit in the first year of a quote unquote rebuild, I don't think anyone should be losing their minds about that. I think that, yeah, it's a disappointment, but I I, I saw a lot of, and granted this is in the aftermath of a, a, a tough cup defeat. So I get why people were upset, but I saw a lot of takes out there that were, you know, and they were from the usual suspects, of course. The 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 parts of 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 this you know this fan base that that, that lose their mind at, at these things. But I agree with you to 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 the context of this was the league cup, Todd. Like it was the league cup. 
this was not. We made nine changes. It was the League Cup, and yes, we got to, we got to see the same old people that were making mental mistakes that caused us points for the last yeah. five years make mental mistakes and cause us points. So I, I mean, it's it is the reason why it felt. And it's funny you make the point, Andrew. It felt like you were watching a a Conte or a Mourinho team on the pitch. Well, yeah, it's because you're playing the same fucking players. Yeah. It's like no. those clowns well, are going to come out there and play the same way because they're clowns. I don't. Yeah, I don't... and to to Todd's point, I think you know you do you do paint paint a good picture here and and bring some things to light. I think every reason to believe Pastacoglu really did sit down and say, "I don't have what I need for for three competitions. Let me show you. And if we lose, well, I don't have to worry about it because now I don't have three competitions, right? I have two. Um, so. I mean, logically, he probably did what he had to do, right? Especially when you cite the lack of preseason. Um, but I will never, ever change my mind in saying that as a fan, I'm disappointed that we didn't prioritize going through in the, yeah. in this round, right? No matter what. You guys things that need to happen, so. Aren't you guys sick and tired of everyone just giving us bent out about our cabinets, trophy cabinet being so empty? Like I've I'm, had enough, I'm, guys. I'm actually not tired of <laughs> I that. give I give zero I give zero yeah, bucks about I'm kind them. of, I'm kind the, of is. If they have the inability to read the history books, it's not my fucking problem. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's true. But like people that, people in, that in my lifetime, I haven't seen a whole a proper trophy go into No, I, I haven't either. So. Look, it, look, yeah. I, I hear you. Look, people that want to get bent about Tottenham's uh history and 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 record and and trophy cabinet they can you know they can suffer there i i don't suffer fools for for that stuff so the other the, the last thing i want to shout out about this match though at, at fulham was my god the away support was tremendous and and so good. Shout out, they were incredible i mean that sound that match sounded like a tottenham home match it was that loud from the away support and and i just i, I was blown away by it watching it and really impressed by it so if we, to, to, to any of our listeners who may have been there kudos to you craven yep. cottage is definitely on my list andrew and it's for that exact reason i cannot wait to sit in that away end. Cra- craven I, cottage is quite honestly i think it's at the top of my list so i was fortunate to i've never been to a match there but i've been to craven cottage and um only because I'm always in London in the summer, and if I go over for for a game, it's been at at the home stadium, right? But I went to Craven Cottage, and this place is – it's basically like a little – you think you're maybe at like the little town park or like a county park or something, right? And then you just keep walking, keep walking through the park, and then boom, Premier League Stadium right on the river, just directly on the river. And you wouldn't even have a clue that you're looking at a Premier League Stadium if you didn't know that that you were at Craven Cottage, right? it's the it's it's honestly a really fucking cool stadium, um, and I am right there with both of you in saying that an away day Craven, Craven Cottage would be maybe number one on my list if I ever get a chance to do an away day. No, no doubt about it. For me, the only one that's even close to that is Selhurst Park. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a good shout. Well. Would 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 Turf Moor happen to be on anyone's list? Because uh, that's that's where we're going next. Uh, Not in past no, years, but, but now. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, Todd. Fuck that place. Well, listen, well, listen. It, it it turned out okay for for Spurs on Saturday. Uh, a trip to Burnley didn't didn't look really too wonderful within the first five minutes or so. But Spurs really turned the match 
uh, on its head, winning 5-2 over Vincent Company's men. Um, uh, Scott, this was this was fun. And when we when we pair it with the context of the Fulham match, I think we have to kind of almost be relieved that there was no hangover that, you know, most of the starting 11 was put back into the lineup, um, you know, minus minus for Charleston, which we can come on to. But this was a fun match that to me, I think was it was it was half Spurs just being very good and showing great attacking prowess and playing, you know, playing quote unquote Ange ball. I think it was also in part to Burnley maybe watching that on the other side and saying, hey, we should try that. That looks like fun and forgetting that they're fucking Burnley and mm-hmm. and they got burned. no, 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 so no, we'll- no, no. I mean, honestly, that uh, company came out and said we got smoked by a way better team. I'm paraphrasing and, and mixing an entire interview down into one line, but that's what he said, right? Is we got smoked by a much better team in Tottenham, and that feels fucking good. When's the last time we heard some somebody say that? It's been that's a, a fair point. Minute. That's a fair um, point. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll tell you what. I think I I have a lot of notes here, and and I don't even know where to start, and I don't want to go on like a ten minute rant, but. I'll start by saying that Udogi and Poro were fucking phenomenal and deserve so much credit for the three points because, in my opinion, Basuma had a bit of a stinker. And when I say stinker, a very average Premier League game, right? He just he was quiet. He didn't 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 shine like he had in past. And I think his CDMs did two things. They played so well that 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 maybe he got lost in the shuffle of that. But but in them playing so well, they also made him not have to do a whole lot. Right. Um, and so he was quiet, but I attribute all that to, to, to those two fullbacks who were fucking phenomenal. Poros, Poros assist to Sonny and then hockey assist, you could say to Solomon, right. Um, were just two of the best balls I've seen in a, out of a, out of somebody wearing a Spurs shirt in a long time. Um, and, uh, the, those two fullbacks just deserve so much credit for, for, for that result this weekend. Todd, you care to disagree with with the fact that Burnley showed their lack of Burnliness a little bit? No, they showed exactly who they are. This is exactly who the Vincent Company Burnley that came up from the championship last year was. The problem is, is that they only have the players to play with a top side like Tottenham for about thirty minutes, maybe thirty five minutes, and and then that style of play starts to take its toll because uh, I think uh, a, a, a good friend friend and a, uh, and, and a very solid thinker that I know uh, said, Oh, because you're fucking Burnley. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's, that's very accurate. Now, the one thing that I will say here is that I, I, I want to make the point is there was SAR that had the stinker, not Basuma. Yeah. Basuma was a seven, three would... SAR struggled. Uh, I think he ended up with an assist, but I, I he's still he. No, no he ended up with assist. no. He ended up with a booking. He had a booking with a he booking. Had. He definitely had a booking. He darn sure had one of those. But I mean, I even called for it in the group chat. I said, you know, Hoybier for Sar is the, is the sub, um, and and what that really boiled down to was the way that um, we needed someone to soak up pressure and, and, and be a little bit more of a defensive stalwart than Sar was. I thought Basuma was um, exceptionally Basuma-ish. I mean, he was a seven-three as as far as Fat Mob and Sova score went. 
It was one of those things where his his carries were about on average. He didn't have as many, but the the distance was the same as it normally. Like the pass percentage was the same. Like he was effective. He was just quiet because they shut down the middle of the park. Did Burnley with their press? They did a really really good job of that. And so that's why you saw a lot more of the outlet passes Whoa. going to Poro and Udogi and them carrying the ball. And then Poro literally putting the best ball into Sun that we've seen since some guy yeah. whose last name rounds with Bane. So I, I'm just saying, like, that was yeah. silly, yeah. silly good. Well, and I, and I, I think Stinker's a poor choice of words because I think my, my synopsis is, is quiet. And I, and I think both midfielders are quiet, and that's because, like I said, the fullbacks played so well. They had to, right? You said it best. The middle was shut down, and those two fullbacks had to have a game, and they both had a hell of a game um, and and took a lot of strain off that midfield, who honestly has, has carried us through a couple of results this season already. So it was nice to see those fullbacks step up. I am I am going to hold my hand to the sky and say I fucking was dead wrong about Pedro Poro. Because that dude is a baller on both ends of the field now. Maybe Postacoglu got his hands on him right, but he's making tackles. He's digging out interceptions. Um, he is he is every worth every penny that we paid for him, Todd. Right? Well, I'm I'm a hundred percent yes. He's worth every penny that we paid for him, but he was decidedly at fault for that very first goal. And this is the Pedro Poro dichotomy that we're going to deal with throughout the entire time that Pedro Poro is on our team. But this is what Ange ball is, right? It's you want to win a game 5-2. Like, yep. you don't yep. want to yep. win a game 1-0. You want to win a game 5-2, and you know in that two. you're going to get yep. an assist from Pedro Poro, and he's going to be at fault for allowing a goal. And that is uh, like, okay, the dichotomy of his game. I mean, speaking of Angeball, I was a little concerned because, you know, as as, as I've been ups, uh, assessing his style of play is that he's been kind of overloading the midfield. Um, and I was curious as to how, you know, Bernie was going to deal with it. And I know, obviously, Bernie tries to shut down the midfield. And I was like curious as to how, you know, we would we would deal with that. And and and, and I, I think he handled it, you know, like a champ and, and got in some of those people like Pedro Poro and, and Solomon and Udogui um, to to kind of stand out in that match. So kudos to 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 those people for actually, you know, stepping up and and realizing that that was what was happening and decided to to kind of step up and, and show what they were about. So I appreciate that for them. Kat, I want to ask you about the the lineup because the one change from like the regular lineup we've seen in the first few matches is that Richarlison was left out after starting the midweek match uh, and then coming off against Fulham. Solomon comes in, you know, he gets two assists. I, I thought it's interesting. Solomon was frustrating for me at times in, in some of the things he was trying to do in the attacking third. But overall, I mean, obviously he contributed well. Um, he got in to the mix with Sonny and Sonny, Sonny, the, the game he had playing up top uh, with a hat trick. I just thought it, it was an interesting dichotomy and, and, and switch that Ange made bringing Richarlison out of the lineup. And it's something that, you know, we've talked a lot about Richarlison this season and kind of the struggles he's had. He did get the goal at midweek against Fulham. But what do you make of the lineup switch? And do you think that this is going to be something that Ange has to play with when, when the team comes back for the international break? I mean, honestly, I even had to ask Scott because, you know, what happened to Richarlison? Because I, I thought, honestly, he was injured. Um, and that's why he didn't play. So then when he came on, was in the game, I was like, 
what? <laughs> What's happening? Why is he on? My biggest critic about Rich Hollison, and I hope he figures this out, is his positioning. Um, I think, you know, having to be in the in in on the pitch with with Harry Kane and all and and Sonny they had such a good connection and Harry Kane was taking up a lot of those positionings that that um Richardson should be taking like I don't think he knows how to play like a true striker like I find I, I if you ask God like I'm constantly just like what are you doing there this is not where you're supposed to be when the balls are coming to him I'm just like why are you standing there you know because he just like is taking up positions that I feel it, like that's the biggest thing. Like if he could just position himself properly, he would get at the end of a lot of those goals and then get that confidence and, and finish. That will be like, that will solve a lot of his problems. I just, I just, and I think he knows that and that's probably what's frustrating him right now. So I think with, with Postacogli's different style of play, I don't know whether he's figured out his, his true role in, in, in this, in this, I guess, Angeball. In Angeball. In Angeball. Yeah. But I mean, which which he shouldn't be because, you know, it's you can clearly see it. Yeah. You could clearly see it. You know, I think maybe if I don't know whether they sit down and let him watch, rewatch his tapes or or anything like that. Like I remember when I used to play um, back in the day, my coach would like make me rerun the same like lines over and over and over and over until it becomes muscle memory. And to him, it just seems like he's just kind of like lost in, in that system. So, you know, I, I, I'll give him some time. I hope he'll figure it out. But like if he's not necessarily willing to be coached on that, that's going to be a problem. Um, but outside of that, like Solomon really, really impressed me. I mean, coming in, it, it, you could tell that once he came in, he 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 really got what was going on right off right off the bat, which allowed Sonny to do some of those movements that Richard Richardson should have been doing. Like if he could just take up whatever Sonny is doing, that that will essentially like help him succeed. Scott, Scotty Richardson wasn't on the pitch for five goals that that Spurs scored. Mm-hmm. Is that is that concerning? Oh, I, first of all, I laugh because I just, I take, I take myself back to our hotel room in Vegas Saturday morning and Kat is just screaming exactly what she said. She was screaming, what are you doing there? Why are you not there? Like what? So yeah, it's funny. You get to hear You get to hear her, her thoughts that would go on a podcast throughout the week. Yeah, sure. Did I know the exact same? I know the exact play she's talking about specifically, by the way, like I can envision (laughs) it in my mind right now. Like, why are you on that side of the defender? That doesn't make any sense. So, Kat, I feel you. It's like that. It's like, I think it's like his, his nerves uh, have gotten to him to the point where he's lost his, like, poetry's instinct. But, um, but yeah, he, he wasn't on the field for five of our goals, like you said. And um, Sonny was on for three of them that were phenomenal. Well, five of them, right? But three of them, he scored directly from that striker position. So, I think Richarlison, you know, has has to see himself right now as pushing against minutes with Young and Son after his performance this weekend. And, um, you know, it seems like Richarlison is quick to get down on himself. And that's that's kind of uh, or not kind of it is definitively my biggest concern right now is that I, I don't think he's doing the right things to get his confidence back himself. Right. And it's probably just digging him deeper and deeper into this hole. And then at the same time, 
Sonny gets an opportunity to 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 come in the middle, and Richarlison finds himself in hot water because I I'll tell you what we've talked a lot about Richarlison, him and Son at at center forward was special, and and I don't think for any of us we're surprised by that. I've talked about it on social media the last couple of days, but um, anytime Kane went down with that ankle injury for six weeks, Sonny stepped up and just banged in the goals for fun. We city away right before before Ajax. That man said, "No, Harry Kane, don't don't you worry about it. Like I'm, I'm a world class striker myself, and um, he's he's had to make room for Harry Kane. Whether you know it was Kane playing up the middle on his own or or sharing a strike partnership with Kane for a little while under Mourinho, right? You're having to 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 cede to Kane in those moments and and play off of Kane, who influences eighty percent of the offense, right? You would think so. It's his now and." I think we're all going to be surprised by the amount of goals Sonny puts up this year. I'm really excited, but but to bring Richarlison back into it, he's he's up against something that I think is pretty set, special in Sonny at center forward. Yeah, I mean, for listeners of this podcast, um, you know, this is something that I called this is Solomon on the left and Sonny up the middle. This is something that I called for after the first match at Brentford, uh, and I simply said that we, with the way that the Ange ball system works is that you can't take a finisher as dynamic as young men's son and reduce him to a touchline winger, which is essentially what the Ange ball system does, especially because Sonny beats people with his pace, or at least he used to, not with his footwork. On the flip side of that, Sonny is the most lethal finisher statistically that the Premier League's ever seen. And so you put him in a system where he just has to make the most of the touches that he gets, and he's going to be exceptional. On the flip side of that coin, you take Manor Solomon, who is still learning and was definitely frustrating at certain points with his immaturity in the system, Andrew, uh, of this match. But he grew into it. He had two assists. And his natural tendencies as a a quick-footed winger fits the Ansball system better than anybody that we have in that position right now. So you look at that. You look at Sonny's deft touch, which Ritzarlison, I'm sorry, no matter how comfortable he gets in this system, Richarlison, I almost have a better touch than Richarlison. It's aggressively poor, especially for a Brazilian, if we're calling it what it is. It's bad, right? Well, and so you, you can't look at that versus Sonny in a system that requires your striker to touch the ball a few amount of times, but to be very lethal in the times that he does touch the ball and expect that Richarlison is going to get minutes over Sonny. Because it's just statistically it doesn't make any sense. But Sonny in the wing plays has way too many touches for my liking. Is well, on the wing, on the wing he does. But when he's in, but he's in the box in the more central central role, it's a good thing because he's creating more pressure on the defense when he's doing that. I'm I'm just thinking about this right now. But like we we spoke a few weeks ago about the fact that Richarlison, when he was at Everton, mostly played on the wing, and that's because he needs to be running in on passes with pace and be able to hit a pass or, or rather hit a shot, you know, almost while gathering the ball. Still, he's not the type that wants to play centrally and be the focus and have to take those touches and almost be, be the target in the middle. He wants to be coming. But in he is the, the nine for Brazil. That's the thing. Is it the reason why he never played the nine for but he doesn't is play Dominic like a Calvert-Lewin but he, well, but, Dominic okay, Calvert-Lewin but he doesn't... was a better nine. That's why he didn't play there. So like Correct. getting him and being like, Oh, he's the nine. And then they're different types of players. Because he doesn't play like a nine. They're different types of players. 
they're different types of players and they're different types of systems. But but my point is, Sonny, when he goes into the middle, isn't acting so much like a target man, like Richarlison does, like Harry Kane did. And obviously, they're totally two different types of players. But he doesn't act like that central force where every everything needs to focus around. It's more fluid. It's more like he's playing a central forward role than a striker role and maybe that's just semantics yeah, with the words sure. but it's no, not I, I plays off you, the shoulder that's a great shout i hope you guys exactly. understand what i mean by that like he he's he will flow out to the wing as the as the central forward and let solomon or kulosevsky get in the middle and it, it's it's you know when you've got three guys who can kind of flow in and out and yeah sonny's still going to be the guy in the center it just that is more Ange ball to me from, from my eyes, from these first five matches or so than Richarlison trying to hold up play and take those touches and find one of the other guys cutting hit Richarlison. Number one, I, I'm not saying the man can't hit a pass, but that's not his strength. And he like, can't like get Todd, a ball to stick to him either. So exactly. Like Todd <laughs> said, his touch problem. has not been, has not been there to even complete much hold up play. So I, it, it's, well, and that, it's like, gonna, I it's thought gonna that be very thing, like, Andrew, is that but my question that would Sonny be took for the first goal, the touch that Sonny took for the first goal. I literally thought in that moment where he like controlled it and passed right. it to Manor and then Manor back to him. I literally thought in that moment, that ball bounces off of Richarlison. At oh, yeah. 100%. I guess the question becomes, do, are we, <laughs> are we confident that Richarlison is just going to, learn under Ange how to how to do this better or do we feel like there's an issue here scott like we're gonna have this guy who doesn't really fit this system wasn't bought for this system um and i don't know maybe something has to happen in in, in the long term obviously yeah i mean i think there's every reason to think richardson could figure out how to play out wide um i i do think so i like i, I said know. he did it for everton plenty yeah, so I mean, I I think he's certainly serviceable and a great option right now. His confidence will come back, right? He is a good soccer player, but I I honestly and truly believe that Sonny at center forward was always the play here for Ange. I think he's a smart enough guy to, like Todd said earlier, look at Sonny statistically. He's a big data guy, our new manager, right? And data tells you that Sonny should be playing in the middle for sure, and so. I think this is always the play. I think one of two things stalled it, though. Either one, you had to get a look at Richarlison at center forward, or two, you, Solomon wasn't ready. Um, and so you put Sun out wide and, and have Richarlison play in the middle. But it's one of those two things. I think I think Sonny in the middle was always the play. Um, so uh, I wasn't, like, super surprised. I was maybe surprised that he did it so early, but he's here to win, right? He's not fucking around, so I'm not that surprised either. Here's the other really interesting thing about that point you make. Sonny in the middle in this system in particular, I feel like almost protects him a little bit as one of the older players because he it doesn't does. have to run as much. He doesn't have to be out on the wing getting kicked mm -hmm. as much. I, mm -hmm. And it's not to say he's not going to have to work hard and, you know, do a lot of work of, of you know, important work in, in, more in front of the goal. But as a 31 year old in this system, when you're going to be running up and down the pitch like crazy, I feel like this almost has the potential to protect Sonny's health and longevity a little bit more than, you know, say a younger player. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you just, if you just, just for a quick second, replace Kyogo with Sonny in your mind, 
thinking about Ange in the Celtic system last year. And you're like, oh my God, is that really what we're about to see right now? Right. Because I, 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 honest to goodness, I think it's there, man. I live for it. I live for it. <laughs> I love it. I, uh, I don't want to move on from, from talking about this, this really good and important three points without just, you know, shouting out the fact that we, I don't even really think we mentioned James Madison's name throughout this whole conversation. Uh, thank you. I was going to ask for it. Homeboy was incredible. Once again, he has been honest. Honestly, he's the player of the season thus far. I know it's only four matches in the Premier League, but he is he has completely transformed this midfield as well as you know Saran Basuma. Um, I really also thought that the center backs played well. I thought Van de Ven was you know a little iffy at times, but like dude was dude was doing a lot of hard work, and the Romero goal was just cool as hell and really fun. Um, I just, the whole team just played really, really effing well. And I just wanted to make sure we, we shouted out those couple of names, um, because it was a, it was an important three points, especially, like I said, bouncing back from the roller coaster of the cup defeat, um, you know, a few days earlier. Oh, absolutely. Cat matters matters is my guy. And that goal that he scored as soon as that ball came into him, I don't know about you guys. I was like, Oh, that's finding twine. Like, as soon as he picked that ball up, it's like, that spot on the D is his spot. Like, I heard him in my mind when that ball came to him telling Reggion or whoever, oh, you need to watch match of the day, mate, because that was 100% what was happening next. So, uh, dude, I can't even tell you how happy it makes me that that man wears a Tottenham kit week in and week out. I want to talk about Destiny Udogi because he's the best left back in the Premier League. I'm going to say it right here, right now, debate your mom. And then I'm also going to talk about very quickly the fact that um, when Romero scored that goal, he celebrated like such a goddamn savage. I was afraid the stadium was going to fall down from how hard he punched up in the air right there. <laughs> Absolute monster. Love yeah, it, I it, mean, it's also that was really well, great that all the leadership teams scored. I thought that was really cool. And and you probably won't see that very often that all three of the, you know, the, the captain and the two vice captains scored in the same game. That's pretty special. That's awesome. I mean, I didn't expect I didn't even think Romero had that in his locker, to be honest with you guys. Like the accuracy, the distance, the, you know, when I saw that, I was like, wait, who just scored? I thought it was like, you know. Erickson just all of a sudden just kind of teleported into <laughs> Romero for a little bit. <laughs> you know? I was like, what the hell banger. just happened? I had to watch that back to like be sure that it was actually Romero because I thought it was one of our forwards or somebody. Yeah, I screamed. Dude, speaking about those captains, though, like so much of what we're seeing right now is on those three guys. It's fucking incredible. I mean, it's clear to me that they're leading by the front foot. They're leading by example without a doubt. The team is so bought into them, and they want to play for those three captains just as much as they want to play for the manager. But you also have three guys who are humble and don't see it like that, right? So it's all, it's all, it's perfect. It's a perfect recipe from Pasta Cogley, right? The, the three captains that he chose. I also think it's made Romero hold himself a little bit more responsible for 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 playing smart soccer, right? He's a leader. Um, it was just a really shrewd, shrewd move by the manager. Um, but I just got to give so much credit to those three guys because as, as big as uh, an, an influence as Pasta Cogli has been on this group, I think 
those three captains are are creating something really special and it's something that you really don't see very often in professional sports like it's just a job for a lot of these guys right and you got your leaders and blah 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 but but the way that they're creating a culture amongst the three of them doesn't happen after like high school very often if we're honest right so it's really yeah, it's it's such really a great cool show yeah I also want to shout um, Sonny, you know, proof of just leadership. You know, when he scored that last goal, he ran straight to Sanchez. Did anyone catch that? He ran straight to Sanchez and just like jumped on top of Sanchez. You know, that man gets a lot of stick, especially for the, the penalty that he took there. But I learned that he was the only person willing to step up to take that penalty. After all those people that we had on that pitch that day, he was the only person who was like, okay, it's fine, dude. Like, I'll go ahead and take that penalty, even though he had no business taking that penalty. So big ups to Sunny for, for, for giving him his flowers and, and, and big ups to Sanchez for actually having the balls to, to, to take that penalty. Well, is that, the, uh, is, is that the perfect segue, Andrew? Yeah, t- Tottenham Hotspur uh, enter the international break in second place in the Premier League table, uh, which is not something I think many of us would have expected, but it's certainly something all of us would have welcomed. Um, they granted they've, they've played some bottom feeders, but you got to win the games in front of you. Um, and that's what they've done that they've, you know, they've, they've won three. They had the draw against Brentford, which by the way, are, are, are one of the uh, six teams without a defeat thus far, including Spurs, Brent Spurs and Brentford are, are two of those six. Um, but yeah, better on goal difference than Liverpool, West Ham, Arsenal, Brighton, all of them. Uh, only team, only team Spurs are looking up at right now is is the champions, Manchester City. So uh, it is something to you know sit and just sit with for a minute as we as we go into this break and enjoy. Um, the, the the last part of this puzzle piece, though, that we got to kind of wrap up is this transfer window because I think it was um, it, 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 this is this might be a transfer window that divides more opinion than honestly any other um and and i find that dynamic of it so i guess interesting but also kind of frustrating because this kind of goes back to the 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 the, the cup defeat that we spoke about earlier at least for me a little bit in that this is the first part of a rebuild so expectation and not only for performance on the pitch but expectation for what is being done in transfer windows all to me is is very low coming into this season because we're still trying to figure out what this manager needs um exactly what he d- requires to put together his best team for his system and we obviously know that Spurs have spent the last handful of years making some very good moves like Todd pointed out many of them through Paratici and his findings, but also some really boneheaded moves and giving out contracts that, that are, you know, really tough to get rid of and tough to tough to move on. So this window comes to a close with, I think a lot of people feeling like much of the dead wood. And I, I hate that term, but that's just how I'm going to reference it. I, I think it's kind of a derogatory term to be honest, but, Many of the players that 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 fans wanted out of this club are still here or only went out on loan, um, and I think that was always going to be the case. There's probably still more to be resolved from all of this, but I think when it comes to the incomings, if we look at the the window in its entirety, and we will come on to talk about Brennan Johnson coming in from Nottingham Forest as well, but when we look at the the totality of the incomings, you're talking about Mickey Van de Ven, you're talking about 
Guglielmo Vicario. You're talking about James Madison, all players that we've just spent, you know, the better part of 45 minutes praising for their performances in matches and have done so over the weeks. I think we can start to see the bones of a project that is good. And while not all of it's going to happen in one window, I think we can also look forward to January and say, that'll be another opportunity to get better. Just like the players are going to attempt to do over the next handful of months in with, with what they have. So Todd, with that said, the window, how do you, how, where are you on it? Are you one of the, 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 I mean, I saw people literally giving this window two out of 10 and I saw eight and nines out of 10. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that's just dividing opinion. That's fair. Um, it's it, recency bias is a real thing. We'll just call it that. Um, the, the other thing that I'll say on that is, is if you take, take a look at the whole window in its entirety, it's a, I don't know, probably a six and a half out of seven out of 10 window. There, there were a couple of misses for me in terms of glaring needs going in uh, and, and targets identified and you know, triggers not being pulled for whatever reason, specifically in the, um, in the center back arena, we did get Mickey Vandevin in, which is fantastic, but, and we, your mom, the guy down the street selling groceries at Tottenham knew that we needed a second fucking center back and it didn't happen. And that's kind of a problem. Um, you know, I, I wanted, uh, as a, to be fair, or Connor Gallagher or another attacking option, I wanted to ship PEH because either he or, or skip is subject is, is a surplus to requirements at this point in time. Uh, though, a direct replacement for James Madison. We do not have as clearly evident uh, by the way that we played after he left the pitch, unless you move Decky into the 10. And even that is not exactly what you want it to be because uh, he's left footed. Just ch- the lanes change. It, it's just different. Um, but other than that, Andrew, I, I, I really don't know how you can look at the window and say, well, Decky technically came in in the window, so you have to give that credit. He's a starter, right? Um, you, you have to say that Mickey Vandevin, uh, James Madison, who you praised is the, the signing of the summer without a doubt, Vicario doing doing big Vic things uh, on, the, uh, on the weekend, uh, which was outstanding. Um, it's hard to look at a team that saw 30 goals walk out the door, our captain basically leave on a free and about six uh, starters um, realize that they're not starters for this type of level of a premier league team anymore. Uh, And to be able to say that we are where we are after this many matches. uh, And and so much of that is on the back of the moves that were made in this window. It's kind of hard to look at this and say that it was anything other than a success, despite the, the things we would have want to go different. I think the best way to look at this, Todd, is to evaluate it in two ways. How, how I would rate this window is in terms of incomings, I would say it's an eight out of 10. Um, and outgoings, I would rate it as a three out of ten type of thing. So say say more about that. Yeah, um, I mean, I obviously like the players that we brought in. You could tell that there is some sort of vision where we're trying to go. Um, what led this transfer window down, and you know, I hate to be that person, is just that our players are selfish. You know, you get players like Dyer who are refusing to go 
when they are given the opportunity to leave, if they claim that they love the club as much as they do, um, why not let the club succeed? You know, why not pull a Harry Kane and be like, okay, like obviously it is nothing, there's nothing more I can do for this club. I'm just gonna leave to to give you guys some room to actually improve as the club that I said love, you know. And and uh Dombele is the one that pisses me off the most because you know he for years and years and years I've been saying why are we why did we even buy this person you know um and I was always that person who was very much an anti-undom bad boy even though I used to call him a bad boy because he is a bad boy because no coach likes him and the fact that he's selfish enough to what expect that he has to play Champions League football is beyond me. Like you're not, you can't even train properly, and you expecting Champions League football. Like who do you, who the hell do you think you are? You know. And I personally think that Tottenham should have put their foot down and told all these people to fuck off. Honestly, like if Dyer was like, oh, I don't want to leave. Well, sorry, dude, cutting your contract. Well, peace out. You know, Kat, you might, you might get your wish. Yeah, and, and a big part possible. of the reason, the the big part of the reason why I say that. Because there are still many windows that are open for another couple of weeks here mm-hmm. throughout the globe. And if we get to the end of these, you know, the Saudi window and, and the Turkish window, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of this, this uh, you know, uh, surplus players haven't been moved along. You might see some terminated contracts, some Serge Aurier situations really going on. It would make like, me okay, really happy that'll, too. That would make Levy redeem himself, honestly. Because I, well, hey, 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 let's not take it that far. But <laughs> uh, what I will say is that would go a long way to show that the club is collectively moving in the right direction. Like, I, I don't know, like, it, the, the hardest thing is to watch Daniel Levy, a man who never wants to see a nickel walk out the door if he can help it, um, give up on players that clearly have value that he realizes that he can't move along because for a variety of different reasons, they're difficult for him to move. And I think, Andrew, a lot of that has to do with the way that Levy does business. And I don't think that that can be overlooked. I think that there are certain players that make certain decisions because they know Daniel Levy does things a certain way. And they're like, no, fuck that guy. Well, I I think there's, I think there's a comfort too to living in London and getting paid good wages. And if I'm not being asked to do other things, I'll just live in London and make good wages. And, you know, not even, I mean, sure. My actual career might be withering away in the case of certain players. And I'm, I don't even think I need to name them. I think there's multiple players where that description could fit and, you know, it would be true. Um, but I, I 200K think, a week. <laughs> right. Well, here and here's the thing. That, again, I'm going to keep hammering home the expectations versus reality thing and the fact that Postacago was brought in this summer. I think it's easily going to take three windows in order to get him exactly what he wants and needs. And one of those windows has now passed. So you've got January and you've got next summer. And that means for me that by the time next season starts, there should be a, a, a solid and ball team in place and not just the first 11, but the second 11 as well. And that's obviously if we look back at the week, that was something that we saw still needs work done. Right, Scott. For sure. But I, I think the the picture is painted very well that, that that everything's okay by by all three of you and I I don't think I I could really add a ton more other other than to say and you're alluding to it right that we need to probably break these windows 
into two separate windows and call it how how was the the season you know from a transfer perspective because they like you said just got here so um and i think if i if i could elaborate on that a little bit if, if i could go to this window now i call it maybe a seven right so i'm pretty close to todd six five seven close enough right i think what would get it to a 10 if we're talking numbers right is gallagher and a strong center back and i think if you brought those two in which we were sniffing around for damn close to a 10 assuming some outgoings happen because they would have had to for those two to come right blah 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 so they're one you know they go hand in hand but i think if you bring in a direct replacement for madison and a gallagher and 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 a third strong center back i think we're we're humming but at the same time i'm very interested to see what ashley phillips can do and you know that's a great we're not quite yeah, and we're not quite sure what's going to happen with Sanchez. I think right now, actually, Phillips is a poor center back behind Sanchez. But if Sanchez were to go to Turkey, we know Galatasaray is sniffing around right now. There's a good chance he stays, right? So I'm not trying Phillips, to push Sanchez out Phillips the made the bench the other day. I agree. I'm saying so, they really like him. Yeah, I mean, he I, I believe he was team of the season last year in the championship um, as an 18-year-old. So... I don't. I I wouldn't be scared to give him a give him minutes if I had to, right? If I'm if I'm Postacoglu, so mm-hmm. you know, as much as I love a ten out of ten window, maybe a ten out of ten window never gives a guy like Ashley Phillips a chance to prove that he's pretty much ready to play in the Premier League. Well, so we'll see. I I want to talk about this real quick, and that is that there are two. In I want to say two things here. The first thing is is that um, the way that our contracts are structured really screws us when because levy likes to wait until late in the window for outgoings he likes to haggle valuations are off blah 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 blah. well that ends up meaning that we have to eat a lot of contracts and do a lot of loan deals which sucks and that doesn't it clears the books for the time being but it doesn't solve the problem so we end up having the same conversation over and over and over again so that's frustrating and i admit that but the Harry Kane thing, I don't think that we can downplay. I, I I don't think that we can overstate how important it was that that got handled in this window as opposed to it dragging out into January and beyond. That would have been a cloud over the entire Ange Ball era. The second thing that I would like to say um, is that the sneaky incomings of Ashley Phillips from Blackburn because of some bookkeeping bullshit that meant we got him for virtually nothing and Manor Salomon because of, Oh, I don't know, a fucking war in Ukraine that caused that contract to end in an abrupt fashion that allowed Spurs to come in and get him for, uh, let's see. I think the official cost was whatever the gate was on that fucking charity match. Uh, and like that is a song. I, right, I don't and think those and by, by, by the way, can be understood. By the way, though, Todd, we, we should also probably mention like how kind of awkward that is, like just from a moral standpoint. Like that is a that's a, there's a little bit of a, a a weird dichotomy there of like plucking a player from a club that you know is in if, a listen war you're, 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 right now. You're, like, you're you're a hundred percent correct that there is some moral ambiguity about that particular situation and if we were the only club that was taking advantage of that situation i would I, absolutely have I a different you. stance on it however the fact that the, the the business landscape provided us an opportunity 
to make a business decision that was within the bounds of UEFA rules. And we made that business decision and it benefited our football club. And I don't think we can say anything bad about that. No, I, I don't, I don't need to belabor the point. I just wanted the point to be made. I, I think that's, that's something fair. to mention. So another interesting thing, I don't know if you guys have like done your research on Pastor Koglu and, and how he maneuvers these transfer windows. Um, and what I really appreciate that the fact that he's he's you know, looking to bring that to Tottenham is you know looking he's 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 going to be utilizing um, you know a lot of the markets that he came from. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he he said in an interview that you know he doesn't necessarily look at the most expensive player. Um, he will look at the player that will come in. That in a match that comes in and just completely disrupts his system, he's like that player is the player that I'm going to essentially target. Um, and a lot of the times, that player is usually really cheap. So I feel like that's kind of how his and Daniel Levy's relationship is going to flourish because you know he actually seeks talent and and is is, is going to be looking at it in other markets that are not necessarily tapped, which I appreciate. Well, and let's not forget that that Spurs just went through this entire transfer window and technically don't even really have a director of football in place for it. Uh, he can stay away. It's fine. I tend to agree with you. I think he's he's gonna he's gonna mesh really well with Levy. And in a sense, as much as we we can say things like you know spend the money, spend the money, spend the money, the business is gonna operate how the business wants to operate. And it did actually spend quite a bit of money in in this window. To your point, though, the Ange influence on on these targets and, you know, honestly, the, when you go back to the Harry Kane thing, too, it's like the the two men sat down and figured out where this thing was going. And like those kinds of decisions, I feel like, I mean, go back to the David Raya thing and how we ended up with Vicario instead. The efficiency to which some of the de- decisions were made once Ange came in was impressive to me and i i think that's something to look forward to in a january window as well i agree see i gotta jump in here and say that it's not that we don't have a director of football it's just like you remember when tupac died and then all of a sudden like once every year for the next six years he released new songs and there'd be like a hologram tupac popping up at the emmys and the grammys and this that and the other there's like a hologram paratici that's like popping up like, hey, you guys should take a move on the car, yo. That guy's kind of awesome. Like, I'm just telling you, like, we have a director of football. Don't you guys worry. It's all good. Well, like, like, it wouldn't, I, I'm just saying. I, it wouldn't shock me if they're like, oh, this Scott Munn thing didn't work out because, surprise, our new director of football is Fabio Paratici. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might be just listening to my tweets, you know. Yeah. All the tweets that I've been tagging Tottenham on, on the players that I think they should get, have gotten this season. So, uh, it's all you, huh? <laughs> um, we have not really, uh, the, the last kind of piece of this we, that we have not really discussed in any kind of depth is Brennan Johnson. And it's something that was rumored for a while and then finally did come across the line on deadline day. Um, Scott, I, another option for, for Ange to use in this system. And, and kind of when we talk about what's been going on with Richarlison, if this is a guy that Ange targeted in Johnson, I'm, I'm on board. I, I know there's a lot of people down on him, but like I, I'm, I'm ready and open and, you know, arms wide and, and ready to see what happens. Well, with this, right? I mean, he's, he's scored 35 ish goals. I can't remember the number off the top of my head. And it's just over a hundred appearances for Forrest, right? He's, He's he's gonna put the ball in the back of the net. What I what I've learned about him 
it, and this speaks statistically as well, right? His his crossing's not great, but the rate at which he 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 wins one on one duels off the dribble is very high, right? So he looks like somebody who we want to to be a very direct wide player to run at defenders. We could give a shit less what it, what his crossing ability looks like, right? And I think I love Dion Kulisevsky. I've said it before on the podcast. Once you figure out how to push the ball to his right foot, and what I mean by that is the coach sits you down and say, just push him to his right foot, make sure that ball never touches his left foot. I think if you do that, you keep Kulisewski pretty quiet. And so um, great footballer. I don't don't want to pick on the guy, but I, I think, you know, once his left foot's not there, he's not dangerous. And because of that, I think Brennan Johnson maybe starts on the right side sooner rather than later. Um, or gets his opportunities right, be it a cameo, and then earns the right to start because um, I think I think he's very dangerous, and I'm excited to see what he does in his first shirt. I don't disagree with that. Um, supposedly, this was Ange's number one target, uh, you know, for for on, on the offensive side of the pitch. Uh, and if that's the case, okay, that sounds fantastic. The stats don't look great in terms of you know, what kind of outside of the production numbers, like, you know, what, what is dribble rate is or this, that, and the other thing he's fast as shit. He beats people because he's fast as shit. And it's like, that's great. But what happens, you know, when you get put in a position to where I need you to cross, Oh, it's not awesome. Well, what do you do then? Well, the one thing that Kulisevsky does exceptionally well is he beats the shit out of people on the touchline. Like he is a master yes. of the touchline. Yes, and I haven't seen that in in Brennan Johnson's game. Um, I think it's going to be a big fucking difference going up a, a, a against uh, you know <clears throat> the type of opposition that you're going to see in the position that Brennan Johnson is going to play for Ange. I, I don't know that he's going to have as many counter and break opportunities as he has before. I think he's going to end up with not a lot to do in the final third. And they're going to just make him cross the ball, which he's not very good at. And I think he's going to be extremely limited if we try to deploy him too early. So I think this is a nice pickup. I think 40 mil or 37 and change or whatever Daniel ended up paying is about the going rate for a budding talent that scored as many goals that he has over the last couple of seasons. But realistically, I'm not expecting him to come in and, and have any sort of a breakout for us. I don't think he's going to unseat Kulisevsky, though I will say, to Scott's point, I think he's absolutely going to push him, which I like. Well, and not to mention he's English, so the, the rate is even, you know. Wait, he's he's young and he's English? Well, fuck, get him in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Kat, where are you at with, with Brennan Johnson? I mean, this I feels mean, like, you know. He, he was definitely... And partially called Liu's um, target. And, you know, I've, I've just going back on my point that I just made is that he must have seen him and, and, is, and expected that person to be that type of player who kind of goes in and disrupts everything. Um, you know, it seems like Eng likes to play with some level of chaos in his system. Um, and I feel like... He, he's going to kind of add to that, which will confuse a lot of defenders. Um, 
and you so you know it's just something else to add to the plate like to also push um Kuluseski. i mean as much as i love Kuluseski, I, I still feel like a lot of teams in uh, have figured him out and it's and he's struggling so he needs to up his game and, and add a little a couple of more things into his roster um whether it is learning how to cross the ball with his right foot you know and that might be a shot for him if he can figure that out and just become a little bit different from what other people expect from him. Um, that might keep him in the squad. But I, I like competition. You know how I am. I like having to have, you know, multiple <laughs> people just be like, okay, I'll take your spot. Like, <laughs> you don't perform this 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 game. I'm taking your spot next game. So let's go. I, lo- I love it. I'm down. Yeah, I mean, look at look at what just happened with Richarlison and, and Solomon coming in for him in, in, in the Burnley match. So that's 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 spot on. By the way, before I get a bunch of messages, I, I said Brennan Johnson's English. He's of course not English, he's Welsh, but he is homegrown, and that is what I meant. Uh, uh <laughs> yes, yes, before, yes. Well before the well before the uh the, the Twitter eggs come after me, I, I I'll correct the record there. Uh, I do yes. know that he is of course Welsh and not English, but Homegrown, which is which is going to always, you know, increase the price and 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 make guys uh, more valuable. So uh, it, all of that kind of checks out. I'm interested. I'm I'm interested to see what he brings. Like I said, it, it feels like in this attack in Ange Ball, there needs to be fluidity, and I think that's something that he can offer. Um, and I'm excited to to p- potentially, you know, see that on display. And it's it's kind of nice timing because, like I mentioned, international break. Uh, as we look ahead, Spurs don't play again until September 16th, which is kind of sad. Actually, I thought about this, like I, I want some more Ange ball in my life after seeing the Burnley game. And now I've got a, an international break to sit through. Uh, but Sheffield United, uh, at home is the, is the next opposition for Spurs. Um, Sheffield, you know, kind of like Burnley back up in the premier league after, after promotion this season, um, Sheffield suffered one goal losses to crystal palace, Nottingham forest and Manchester city to start the year. Um, they drew uh, uh, against Everton on Saturday for their first point of the season. So another kind of bottom dweller here that, that Spurs can perhaps hopefully take advantage against, especially uh, at home. Um, Sheffield also went out of the League Cup earlier this week to Lincoln City. So it, that, that tells you a little bit about how their season has has started. So uh, Not great, we'll- Bob. No, not 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 great. We will, however, be able to discuss a lot more about that match uh, next week on the pod. Of course, international break, but we will be back. Um, not a whole lot for, for us to discuss on the women's side. Preseason signings, all of that is still kind of going on. They are they got another month still to ramp up uh, during their preseason. Some friendlies happening, uh, closed closed door matches, all of that stuff. Uh, I would encourage you guys all to go over to uh, N Seventeen Women. They they just put out a new pod. Uh, you can hear Caroline over there um from time to time as well so um n17 women the place to go for for a little bit more in-depth coverage of the women's team as they ramp up to the season and, and we'll of course ramp up our our coverage of them as well as as the season draws closer but this episode has already run quite long with two matches on the men's side and the transfer window closing so we are going to close the books on this episode of the depot uh thanks again to cat she is at africa spurs uh scott is at scott g bird Todd is at TC underscore show. I am at a Stedke. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. The reviews really do help uh, to boost the signal of the podcast and get it out to new listeners. Uh, really helps to spread the word. And again, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Tottenham Depot. Uh, until next week, we will see you then. 
This has been the Tottenham Depot Podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs.